This is a podcast from the Queen City Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. My name is Logan, and that, of course, means that you're listening to another episode of the Crowncast, and we're into the postseason. And unfortunately, when I say we're into the postseason, I don't mean the one where we keep playing football and 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 win. I mean the one where we talk about football even though we're no longer playing it. And here, to be mostly depressed about that with me, is Josh. Hello, Josh. Hey, Logan. So, Josh, I'm going to hype you up for a few seconds here Ooh. because I like hyping people up. And for those listeners who will have heard the last one, I'm a little under the weather. My my voice is not exactly what I what I hope it to be. And so in this particular episode, I needed someone who I could rely on, who I could lean on, oh, who no. I could say, hey, <laughs> I might just suddenly not be able to talk for a while. <laughs> Who's the right person to get? And I went to you, Josh, uh, because, because you're the best, buddy. You're the best. Uh, Pressure, pressure, pressure. So unfortunately today, we're going to be talking about a lot of stuff that isn't necessarily the best. We didn't get to do more in-depth analysis and talk about either of our Miami matches or really the postseason match because it all happened so fast. We were just doing post-reacts in order to keep up with content. So we're going to talk very briefly about those matches. Very briefly, mostly because we don't really want to talk about them. And then we're going to talk about a little bit of news that's already happened with the club releasing some players and picking up some options on some others. So, Josh, I have the misfortune of talking about when we went away to play Miami. We went uh, away to play Miami. At this point in time in the season, we all had our hopes up. There was no Lionel Messi playing for them in this game. We all kind of said, this is the chance. We could go and we could secure it. If we get six points, we are in eighth. We get home field advantage. The the world is our oyster. And we did not what we wanted to do. We got out ahead. We got a lead. And just because I personally like the statistics of XG, everything in here is, is surrounded by the brackets of the fact that in that particular game, Charlotte made .8 XG. We got two goals out of point at XG, which means we took our chances. There's a there's an element of that that you can say Charlotte got lucky. I'm going to say Charlotte took our chances. We had shots at goals. We took them. We needed to do that. Great. Yeah. Everything is good. Enzo Capetti scores in the 45th minute. They turn around and immediately score back on us. <laughs> this isn't the first time in this season that Charlotte FC has been unable to maintain or consolidate a lead. I'm not even talking about adding another goal on top of it. How often, Josh, have Charlotte FC gone out, gotten a goal, celebrated, and by the time they realized they were still on a football pitch, they were back to even score? I mean, I'm not the only one who feels this way, right? It feels like it's every game. And and what's more annoying for me personally is uh, I tend to be about a minute behind the live broadcast just because I have a terrible TV with terrible functionality. Um, And so whenever I get hyped and I go to Twitter and I say something exciting, I'm expecting as soon as I hit send on that tweet to then get one from Charlotte FC saying that we have conceded. Um, And that's just not a fun feeling because, yes, it feels like we are the most likely to concede when we have just scored or if it's the 80th minute and beyond. Yep. It's amazing how many times the tweet will come through from Charlotte FC being like, an amazing goal from Carol Swiderski. 
into the top net, beautiful, and then like 30 seconds later, you get another one that just says, goal, other team. <laughs> yep. All the hype, an acknowledgement of what has happened. The, the, the amount of times they come through like that. And that's not a... Uh, that is a function of the way Charlotte FC is playing right now. We do not have control over games. Yep. In this particular match, I talked about we made 0.8. Inter-Miami made 2.3 over the course of the whole match. They deserved their two goals. They didn't fluke their way. They didn't luck their way. They didn't have spectacular finishing. Yep. They deserved their two goals in that match. We do it again. We get ahead, Kerwin Vargas. This time we managed to put our foot on the ball for a little bit. Sure enough, late game, 84th minute giveaway. And Josh, at that point in time, I just said, if that was the final game of Charlotte FC this season, if this was the last one instead of one more, mm-hmm. it would fit our our year. It would yeah. fit who Charlotte FC was. We had one, immediately gave it away. We got ahead again, and then we gave it away late in the game. <laughs> it would have been right. Yeah. And it... it- <laughs> It's performance art at some point, honestly. Like, that's what it feels like, is that just... it? You know, people joke about there being script writers for sports, and to some degree, like, this season has made me a believer in that. Um, one, because it looked unlikely that these Miami-Charlotte games were going to mean anything about a month and a half ago, and then all of a sudden they did. But then, two, because of the way Charlotte just goes and does things this year... It, it it's frustrating as a fan of the team. It, it really is. I've said it all year. I think Charlotte have to be the most fun if you're a neutral to watch because you know there's going to be goals and you know there's just going to be ridiculously stupid, entertaining things that happen in the game. Yeah. It, Charlotte is its, is its own beast at the moment. And obviously throughout the, the postseason, we're going to try and figure out how we make that beast a little bit more threatening to others. But... This game really frustrated me. It, mm. it it drew some of the negativity out of me. And anyone who listened to the post-react will have heard that in my voice. We come back home, and we play them in the bank. And I'm going to let you talk about this one. Yeah, so I think only the most optimistic of optimistic fans went into this game expecting Charlotte to win. Um what I will say is I thought that we started this game really well. I thought we looked like a team who knew that getting an early goal would do wonders for the atmosphere in that in that place, would do wonders for the team morale, having just given away the game um, a few days ago. We looked bright. We looked motivated. Um, and I don't know that that's always been the case at the beginning of games for Charlotte. We go up very early again, that guy, Carolyn Vargas comes through in the 13th minute. Really nice play from Uzwiak, who I thought, again, at the beginning of the game was very bright. I think we also have to give Vargas a lot of credit on this goal. I believe he's a, he's naturally a right footer, and this is a very good finish with under pressure with his left foot. Um, <laughs> as, a, as a quick aside, the past few games from Vargas really frustrate me because unless he has just turned it on in the last month, you just sit there and wonder why was he not playing more this year? Um, but after that goal, you know, I don't know that we were we were great going forward for the rest of the game. You know, to go back to your XG kind of shows it. We only had 0.6 XG this game. Miami actually again outdid us with 0.9. It's not that big of a of a gap. Um, what I will say though is I thought that that 
the latter half of that game, I thought, was one of our most mature performances and sort of flew in the face of what we saw a few days ago. I thought we actually tried to be smart in the way we played. It was not perfect. We still did silly things and we still near the end of the game. It, it felt like we rather than going to the corner flag, we were trying to make go around guys and get a second goal. I, you know, Kalina comes up with an amazing save, fingertip save to to keep it one nothing. Again, it, it wasn't perfect, but for this Charlotte team, <laughs> and that has to be a big note for this, for other yep. teams, it would not have been a mature performance. For this Charlotte team, that was about as mature a performance as we've seen, I think. And and we needed it. You know, it, it was win and get in. And that's that's what they did against all odds. We saw Messi score a goal that was rightfully chalked off. So everyone could yep. celebrate and say that they saw uh, the GOAT score one. Did you, but without any of the negativity. <laughs> did you see the Latanzio press conference after that match? Did you watch it? I did it? not. I did not. Oh, so Latanzio comments on this. And even Latanzio was like, we all got to see Lionel Messi go one-on-one. And it yep. didn't matter. Like, even yep. <laughs> Latanzio was like, yep. He even said, you know, I don't expect I don't expect anyone in the world to beat Lionel Messi one on one. So I couldn't expect it of Christian Christian Kalina. So fortunately, he was offsides. I think I also saw Kalina came out and was like, it's a lot different when you're one on one with Lionel Messi than when when you're one on one with literally anyone else. Again, I thought it was great. I was like, that's a great finish. That's exactly what you expect from Messi. Then they chalked it off and I was like, even better. <laughs> uh, I was on the sidelines at that point and we all had the exact same reaction. Everybody in the room was like, yep, that's that's yep. the way it should have gone. That's everything yep. we could have asked for. <laughs> so something I want to, to bring to the attention is the fans showed up mm -hmm. uh, for that last game of the season. Now, whether you were there because you were a Charlotte FC fan or whether you were there because you were a Messi fan, it doesn't really matter. The fans showed up and they were in great Charlotte FC voice. They were supporting Charlotte. Mm -hmm. Even the ones wearing messy jerseys were supporting Charlotte. Well, some of them. The, <laughs> there, were, there were definitely some fans there that were there for Messi and therefore inter Messi. But Charlotte's fans showed up and they were mm -hmm. loud. They were a part of the team. From your experience, Josh, how important is the 12th man? How important is it to actually have a fortress and a home ground where, where you can feel that support behind you? I, it's incredibly important. I, I think that I think a lot of teams, um, whether it's MLS, baseball, college, whatever, like to say that, you know, their home field is a fortress or whatever. But I think when you go to places, you, you do realize that not every place does the crowd make a difference. I've been to games in D.C. It's a nice stadium. I've not felt an overwhelming presence. Meanwhile, I've been to game. I've been to a game in Seattle. I've been to a game in Atlanta. And of course, I've been to games here in Charlotte. Those are different atmospheres. And I think that you feel different playing in those kind of places than you do in a place like D.C. And that's not to take a swipe necessarily at them. I just think that there are some places where the atmosphere is just different. And I think luckily through our first two years, 
Charlotte has largely had that atmosphere. And that is a credit to all the fans because it's not always been easy to create that atmosphere with the way this team has played. It's not easy to go and root for a team that is losing. I know I went to the University of Virginia and anyone who's tried to watch a UVA football game will tell you <laughs> it is an exercise in futility. So it's one of those things where in moments like this, I think. I think it really does matter, and I think it helps those players, especially when the team or where the crowd is is consistently behind the team, right? Mm -hmm. And Charlotte, that's the other thing I want to say about the fans, at least from I've only ever watched a game in the supporters section, and I can say consistently the vast majority of supporters do not turn on this team, regardless of how well or how bad the, the game is going. I very rarely feel like I'm hearing people angry at our players instead it always feels like they're trying to hype them up and i think that's important too because even if you're playing bad if you have the fans getting there and saying we still have faith in you guys do something crazy i think that that matters i think it absolutely matters and i, I will personally tell you i can attest i was in the stadium that day and it was a special moment for me not just because i got to see Lionel messi but because i got to see the, the charlotte supporters in what I think was the most full voice I've heard since the first ever game. Mm. I mean, now it helps that it was the biggest crowd we've ever had since the first ever game. Mm. But that that place was rocking sure. and it deserves to be called out. I want to jump ahead now. Obviously, we make it into the playoffs. Everybody celebrated. I hope you celebrated at home. And in the back of my head, and this is sort of the downside of doing what we do. <laughs> in the back of my head, there was a little piece of me going, oh, man, I really... Like, I want us to have a deep run into playoffs. I want us to win everything, right? I want us to win. Sure. But I also don't want a couple of results to change the narrative so completely that we don't look like we, we don't have a need for internal adjustment, right? Mm. We have to be able to look at ourselves honestly. Josh, you pointed this out pretty well in, in the game against New York Red Bulls in Charlotte FC's first ever postseason. And I want to put something out here before we get into the mess, because it was not a good result. Charlotte FC got slaughtered, but Charlotte FC did not did not play as poorly as we might have expected. There are times that the other team plays good football, and I'm not going to go out here and say that New York Red Bulls played an unbeatable game. But one thing I will come out and say is New York Red Bulls, the times they did shoot took shots that were unsavable. So there are a couple of different statistics that you can go out there and find. One that we love to reference is XG, and I've already brought it up once so that when I bring this up, everybody can already feel comfortable. XG in a game tells us what we would expect if somebody had just taken a shot from the area the shot was taken. It does not adjust for how well the shot itself was taken. If you look at the XG for this game, it's about one XG to one XG. Now, hmm. they scored five goals. So you might be <laughs> saying, wow, how did that happen, Logan? Well, I'll tell you what happened. From way outside of the box, one specific shot here I have listed as a 0 0.03 mm. XG attempt a from very a free high. kick. Very high. Yeah. <laughs> from a free from a free kick, this is a it's a three out of one hundred potentially go in. 
if you adjust that number for how well the free, tick, free kick was taken, and I encourage everyone to go back and look at this free kick. Go look at the replay yourself. It is in top bins. It is as top corner as top corner can come. The adjusted XG on target is 0.6. The difference in those two things is massive. And that is not the only one. Every single thing, I'm going to list them out here for you. Manuel's goal in the 10th minute, a 0.1 XG opportunity. Manuel His, Dini when he plays against Charlotte. Sorry, yes. I just have to correct yeah. you because when he, he plays is... He is the best player in the world when he plays against Charlotte FC. Facts. His his shot, a 0.1 XG chance. Where he places it and how well he takes the shot, 0.57. Huge difference. 56 minute, Barlow. This one is actually the, the one you would call like a good opportunity. Mm -hmm. It's a 0.5 XG shot or 0.56 XG shot. Where he placed it, 0.86. Mm -hmm. adds, adds 0.3 to that. The next one, uh, Manuel again, 78th minute, 0.2 XG, where he places it, 0.35 XG. And the last one, uh, Manuel again, is a 0.06 XG to a 0.51 XG. The difference between where these people took these shots against Charlotte and how well they shot them, how good mm -hmm. of a shot they were, was massive. It's the difference between 0.1 XG and like th uh, three point, or sorry, it's the difference between one XG and 3.2 ish XG, mm -hmm. if my doing the math there is correct. So I, I don't want to kill Charlotte for giving up five goals, but you also can't wash away the fact that, that they got stunned for five goals. Josh, how do you take this information in? Where, how does it wash out to you? Um, Man, it, it's tough because I agree with you. I, I think that there were a number of low percentage, well-taken goals. And there are just some games where you're going to have that happen. Again, against, you know, against Miami, we scored two goals on very low XG, right? That's why XG is not a perfect stat. It doesn't tell you the whole story. What I will say is... I felt like this team at different points in this game gave up, were shell-shocked, and panicked, right? Mm -hmm. And they, to some level, I, I understand all those things that happened because they are kind of riding a high. Um, New York is not a traditionally good New York Red Bulls team this year. They, they can't really score. And so when you have these goals sort of flying in, I, I looked around that pitch and I, I saw guys who were like, is this happening, right? And it felt like every time we tried to claw our way back in and, and you know, we, we kind of gave ourselves a little bit of hope, it quickly got dashed. Um, in general, I look at this as a bad day at the office type of thing. I, I, I agree with you. I don't think we played as bad as the scoreline indicates. But I will say that from a pure fan perspective, it was a hugely disappointing performance. I, I'm not sure I expected us to go and win this game, to be completely honest with you. But I also did not expect us to lose by three goals and give up five. And and I think that's where I, I sit, is I'm just more disappointed than anything um, with the end result. But, you know, that that's sports, and, and that's, that's what happens sometimes, unfortunately. So 
a, a little piece of good news. I, I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you take a guess at this one. Okay. Across across these statistics, ball possession, mm-hmm. xG, mm-hmm. total shots, shots on target, big chances, accurate passes, fouls committed, and corners. How many of them do you think Charlotte were outplayed in in that postseason game? How many of you do you think went towards the way of New York Red Bulls? Who? It is two. <laughs> corners is, one of them? Corners is not one of them. Oh, okay. They they technically got uh they technically got 1.14 expected goals to Charlotte's 1.06. Mm. And they technically hit five shots on target to Charlotte's four. That's it. Everything else. Jesus. Yep. Charlotte wins on possession. Charlotte had 13 shots to their 11. We both had three big chances. They only had one big chance missed. We had two big chances missed. Mm. Uh, We had 69% passing completion to their 63%. We only committed eight fouls. They committed 15 because they're New York Red Bulls. I'm surprised that number's not in the 20s. Uh, And corners, we both had two corners. So that that those numbers can can give me some ability to sleep at night right like especially with how bad that game went now now that we've been through all the ringer on that can we take a moment and i don't know if we should like find a local jeweler who should actually make a special crown for Kerwin vargas hitting a bicycle kick (laughs) How, how josh how should we celebrate this correctly I think we should just be happy that we all saw it because I mean, at the end of the day, it's hard because at the end of the day, it's a goal that kind of didn't matter, Mm -hmm. but you don't see those too often. And I think anytime you see it, you just sit back and you enjoy it. I mean, I know I, what, what did that make it three, one, or was that two, one when he did the, the bicycle kick was for three, one. So it actually did bring a little bit of hope back into the game. So it brought a little bit of hope. I I do remember my first thought was, um, because I I can be a pessimist during games was, well, that's not going to really matter. But my second thought was that is amazing. Show me every replay, um, between that goal and then Breck's goal a few games ago, say what you will about this Charlotte team, but some silly, stupid, fun things happen in their games and you tend to get entertained. And that was just, again, I, I would love to be a fly on the wall and know why Vargas was not playing as much as it feels like his performances over this, these last few games would justify. Um, because man, is he a guy who, and I'm sure we'll get into this as the off season progresses. He's a guy who at the end of last year gave me a lot of hope at the end of this year has given me a lot of hope because the talent is real with that one. So we talk about the talent is real. Obviously he scores away at Miami he scores at home against Miami, and then he scores in the, the postseason game. So that's three games in a row, which is a heck of a run. Off the top of your head, do you remember the last time he scored? Oh, uh, I know he ended the season with like four goals. So I would imagine it was probably back in like June or April or something. I think he actually ends the season with five. Um, The last time I have him scoring on the data is at home against Colorado Rapids in April. April 15th was the last time we saw him yeah. him net the ball. And then he comes on out of nowhere and scores three games in a row. So if you have a good idea of what that means, 
call us. Let us know. <laughs> Just one eight hundred the Crowncast. That yeah. is not a real number. You will not get us, unfortunately. But <laughs> uh, that would be that would be hysterical, though. Either way, I, I think he should be celebrated. You know, even if mm-hmm. this is just a long flash in the pan, I think it's more than just a flash. Agreed. But even if it is just a flash in the pan, he will always have that highlight to go back to. And I will always have the highlight to go back and watch. So I feel less bad about Charlotte's first existence in the playoffs. <laughs> now that we've done all that, is there anything else you want to talk about in the 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 season? Or should we get to postseason stuff? I really just want to ask you if we can if you can put aside the results. We made the playoffs. We talked a few weeks ago, maybe a month or so ago, about what a successful season for this Charlotte team looks like. Having made the playoffs, has this been a successful season, do you think? Uh, you're going you're gonna to hate me. I, I, I don't necessarily see this as a successful season. Uh, mm-hmm. I am a bit on the negative side of this season, which is odd because I think I'm one of the bigger defenders of a few people that maybe maybe don't have a lot of defenders. For example, I tend to think that uh, Christian Kalina is a pretty good goalkeeper. And I think I'm one of the very few people left that isn't like full on the Latanzio outship. I think I've just, I have had enough personal experiences with Latanzio that maybe he's ridiculously charismatic and I believe Mm -hmm. he knows what he's doing. Mm. But I still see enough in Christian Latanzio that while I'm certainly not thrilled... I'm also not, you know, waving pitchforks. Mm. So despite the fact that I'm oddly optimistic about a few of the people at Charlotte (laughs) FC, I don't think you can look at the season and say it was a success. If you look at the season before, we finished the season before on 42 points. In Mm. that particular season, it was Charlotte FC's first ever season. The players that we acquired for that season, we had to acquire under incredibly challenging ridiculous circumstances where we couldn't even go scout people, right? Mm-hmm. Go listen to the Zoran interview. If you haven't heard the Zoran interview that the guys over in Mint City did, credit to them. They did an incredible interview with Zorn. Uh, we could not go and meet players. Mm-hmm. We could. We had very little access yeah. to the talent that we needed to start a football club. We had a coach who politely ran the media side into the ground he was not loved across the board except for Ewan except for Ewan and he was replaced halfway through the season by someone who had never had a coaching job before yeah now again all the credits Christian Latanzio and his heritage and uh, not that he's Italian but all all of his footballing heritage that he comes Mm -hmm. from the city line you know he has a lot of uh, talent in developing players but he had never been a head coach before in that season with a bunch of random stuck-on players, some of which who've become quite good, we got 42 points. And we finished in, correct me if I'm wrong, we finished in 8th? We finished in ninth Because we, we would have, we would have, if the playoff format from this year had been last year, we would have no, snuck the in there. Eight, eighth wasn't in playoffs last, last year. Oh, it wasn't? Okay, well then, then it must have been, yeah, maybe it was 8th. So, My apologies. Uh, I did. I did check it. We ended in ninth. Yeah. So okay. we finished this season in the exact same position as last season, with one more point, and we finished it with. If you look at our goals for last season, we had fifty-two. This season, we had 
uh, goals for 45. Uh, hold on, I'm going to make sure that's correct. I believe uh, no. the 45 is correct. I believe the 45 uh, is correct. Last season, we had 44 with mm -hmm. 52 against. This season, we have uh, 45 with 52 against. We are yeah, almost, we're consistent. Yeah, we're almost dead square <laughs> numbers, right? We gave up the exact same amount of goals. We scored one more goal. We finished with one more point on 43 with a very, very slightly better goal difference that's still negative. The only reason that we are in playoffs is they adjusted the format. Sure. And if you go beyond that, the only reason we had a chance at playoffs with the adjusted format is because if you look at the gap from 8th all the way down to 13th, it is a gap of three points. Just so I can, I can put this in perspective to you, the gap between 1st and 2nd in the league is six points. It could have been any one of those teams. From 8th all the way down to 13th, it could have been anyone, and we could have finished anywhere. If one result had gone differently, we could be in 13th. It's tough for me to look at that, and, and I, I want to celebrate the good, but it's tough for me to look at that and go, yeah, that's a success. <laughs> I mean, that's fair, and I, I will say I, I think you are going to be in line with the vast majority of fans um, with that feeling. I, I will just quickly say, in my mind, and this I think will make people mad, in my mind this has been a successful season, but that I go back to what my expectations were at the beginning of this year. And my expectations were that we had the talent to fight for that eight or ninth spot. And we did that. And yes, we snuck in. And yes, the results weren't always pretty. The other thing that I do look at, to, to be completely honest with you, is we did turn, last year I think we lost like 18 games or something. Um, this year we lost 11. We only tied like three games I think last year. We tied 13. You don't want to tie that many games. I, I understand that. Mm -hmm. But I do see that, that specifically, as a positive move. We did not, we were not consistently losing as much as we were last year. Yes, I know it didn't end up making that big of a difference when you look at the points totals. And so maybe I'm just looking for positives where there really are none. But again, I, I think if you're someone like me who, who came into this season thinking, man, if you can get eight or nine and then, you know, sneak into the playoffs, into that playoff game, that that would be a good season. We did that. It was a circuitous route. It wasn't the prettiest route. It was a frustrating route. But for me personally, that this has been a successful season in that sense. Um, there's still a lot to work on. I, I don't want to make it seem like I'm happy with with the mm -hmm. season necessarily. But in my head, that was a goal. That's a goal that's been met. Therefore, you kind of I kind of have to look at it as successful. Yeah. And one final thing I want to do before we hop into sort of section two of today is I do want to talk about the fact that while a lot of the stuff of the team was more stable for this year, mm -hmm. there was one massive exception. And we yes. haven't talked about him in a while. But it, it is true that we lost Anton Walks at yep. the very beginning of the season. And it is, it's still a heartbreaking thing to, to commentate on. Uh, obviously, the Anton Walks symbol was on the field for the whole season. The respect that has been put uh, on his name 
by mm-hmm. his fellow teammates, by the team, uh, by the other teams in the league. Yep. That have, former, have come his forward. His former team, Atlanta, former was... Yep. Um, uh, that was a great loss to not just Charlotte FC, but the league, uh, and a great loss to his friends and family. And I don't think it can be overstated how disruptive and sad that 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 was for for Charlotte in the beginning of the season. So I don't want it to come across as well. Mm-hmm. Charlotte had just a golden road the whole way and never had to never had to struggle or fight and still didn't succeed. Charlotte had a tragedy yeah. this year, and I, I don't think we can take that out of out of the picture because it would be wrong to do so. I, uh, sorry, okay. I just quickly quickly want to say we began the season with three losses. I don't think it's a stretch to say those three losses can be directly attributable to the loss of Anton walks. And I mean that in every sense of this, like you have players dealing with the grief of the loss of a teammate and a friend. And then from a purely team side, you have the loss of a starting center back who we never really found a replacement for until Privet stepped up into that role. What halfway through the season or so. So I, I think you make a good point there um, in saying that it's not something that can or should be overlooked or forgotten. And and again, I don't think anyone is, but you know, it it is something that I think weighed heavily, especially in the early part of the year. If our first match was New England, is that correct? Yep. You remember that? Uh, then we lost to New England. New England. We lost to St. Louis, who obviously yeah. was was rolling in the beginning of the season. We lost to Atlanta, and then we lost no, and then we won to Orlando City. Yeah. So yeah, it was three three early losses. Let's. Let's move on, because yep. now that the season is done, we've already had some news out of the team, and there have been some players whose options have not been picked up, yep. and there have been some players who are out of contract, and they're slightly different things. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to list off a bunch of names, and then I'm going to let Josh <laughs> explain to you what it means. <laughs> Josh, Awful, Harrison Awful, Mackenzie Gaines, Chris Hegart, Pablo Cisniega, uh, Jan Sopochinski and Adrian Zendejas all have had their options not picked up. What does this mean? Um, I mean, it, it basically means that the club had an option to extend their contract for another year, and the club chose not to do that. And so they are now free agents, and they are free to go and find themselves a, a new club. Um, and obviously, for I say this for any you know, former player, I, I truly wish them the best of luck in whatever they're doing. I think that there's a good chance that Harrison Awful actually stays with the club in a coaching executive scouting role. But for the rest of the players, um, you know, they're they're all still fairly young. And so, you know, hopefully they, they have another chance at another club and they can uh, make something of that. Yeah, I know the one that's going to hurt you is Mackenzie Gaines. You'll be <laughs> sad to see Mackenzie Gaines go. Do you want like a last a last goodbye to Mackenzie Gaines? <laughs> I will just say that I will be sad to see Mackenzie go. I, I think that he does truly have some qualities that will be missed. At the same time, I understand this option because I don't think that he came on this year like I hoped he would. I, you know, he, he hasn't shown consistency and the skills that he does have. I do think that you can find them elsewhere and you can probably find them elsewhere with other players who perhaps give you a bit more upside in the long term. So 
I understand it. He is someone who I, I will. I think he's a fun player to watch. I, I do hope that he finds somewhere else where he can get consistent playing time because I'm still a believer that McKenzie needs to consistently be on the pitch and playing. And that just wasn't able to happen here. Yeah. So I'm going to move on. Uh, Derek Jones and Justin Miram are out of contract. Yep. So their contracts have ended, but it looks to be there's a little bit of difference. There seems to have been a statement from the club, nothing official, but there seems to be a good luck on your way, Derek Jones. We <laughs> wish you the best, followed by a Justin Miram, please sign this piece of paper that says you'll keep playing for us. Is that about the read that you have on this as well? That is that is basically the read that I have. Yeah, is that whether it's from the club side, whether it's from Derek Jones's side, whether it's from both sides, the statement they put out makes it seem like at this moment there is not a and th- no one anticipates Derek Jones being uh, back at Charlotte next year. That's not to say it couldn't happen. He's a free agent. Things can change. Free agency can change. He could look around the league and f- not find suitors. We could look around our squad and realize we need him back. Um, but it is stark contrast to Justin Merrim, who, as you said, the, the team is like came out and said he's out of contract, but we're negotiating. So that sounds like the team is is saying, Justin, we want you back. Don't leave quite yet. And and that is something that actually makes me happy. I, I'm not happy to see Derek Jones go, but I am actually happy that we are looking to keep Justin Merrim. I don't want him to be a starter for this club moving forward, but I do think he brings some real quality and experience to a team that desperately needs it. Yeah, and I will echo my previous thoughts. I have never seen someone so talented in any league at taking a player out with their first touch than Justin Merrim. Mm-hmm. His ability to receive the ball in his first touch and just remove one player from the equation while he's receiving the ball blows my mind. And I watch a lot of very high-level football. <laughs> I want to move on. There are a, a fair number of players whose options were picked up. Uh, they are Patrick Aguimong, Ben Bender, Andrew Privet, George Marks, Nicholas Scardina, and Hamidi Diop. Josh, anything in here a surprise to you? No, I mean, for for me, all of these make sense. I, I think you look at guys like Ajiman, Bender, and Diop. Those are first-round draft picks. Makes sense that they're not giving up on those guys. I mean, especially Ajiman and, and Diop. You know, a, a guy like Mark, Scardina, Privet, I think those are each a little bit different in, in why those options are picked up. To me, Privet reads as, hey, man, and, and justifiably so, you did a job pretty well and you got better. Let's see if you can keep that up. With George Marks, with us declining Cisniega, Zendejas, I think that just makes sense. You 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 need goalkeepers um, and you need to have someone behind Kalina. And then with Scardina, I think that they look at him as someone who is for the future as well. And so for me, it, it makes sense that all these guys were were picked up. This is something that's coming from me, but we've talked about in the past how this feels like a team who brought in a bunch of old hands mm. who are there to set the culture, mm. who are there to set the way this team works for the future. And then the new kids could come in and learn from the old hands and they could set Charlotte FC on the path it wants to be. If you look at the people who go out and some of the people who could very realistically be coming in from our own system, there's a lot of there's a lot of crossover between some pretty big <laughs> names from the Crown Legacy. If you look at Nicholas Scardina, he plays in the position Harrison Awful plays. 
Now, to yeah. be fair, Harrison Offal tried to play every position, so that's not exactly a challenge. <laughs> and but... Christian Latanzio often let him. <laughs> yes, and Christian Latanzio <laughs> often let him. But Nicholas Scardina is a player who has played exceptionally well at his level. He's playing at the right-back position, a position we need. Uh, if you look at Mackenzie Gaines, we have Brandon Cambridge. Yes. Young man who has already proven himself in the MLS level. And by proven, I mean he has come out and showed that he can be effective, not that he always will be. He has sure. a long way to go to be a MLS killer. But we know he has come out, and he's already got goals at the MLS level in his boots. I personally really like Brandon Cambridge, but he's the type of player who catches my eye. He's the type of player who does the things I want to see a winger do. And mm -hmm. I would be lying to you if I said I was all-knowing and knew everything that a winger should do in order to be effective all the times. So I, I will just say about Cambridge real quick that you always talk about superpowers from the first time that I've seen him. His superpower is his explosiveness with that ball at his feet mm -hmm. is incredibly unique. Mackenzie Gaines was fast. I feel like I see, and, and that's not to say Brandon Cambridge is also not fast. He, he looks like he has some pace to him. But Cambridge's ability to explode and create distance between a defender is uniquely impressive amongst, I think, the players on the MLS side of, of Charlotte and the legacy side of Charlotte. And that is something that that's the reason I want to see more of him, because that skill in of itself as a winger is just something I don't think you can teach. And if he can enhance the other parts of his game, you have a real player there. So when we interviewed uh, Brandon Cambridge at, at the Legacy, we asked him what he felt like his his strength was. Mm -hmm. And he said, I want to take on everyone. I yes. want my I want my defender. Mm -hmm. I want to to look that man in the eyes and then leave him behind. And that's who he is. Like as yes. a winger, he wants to, he, there's no one he will look up and go, I'm not having you today. Every yeah. single person he fancies. And you know what? I love it. I love yes. somebody who's willing to drive at that defender and pin them and scare them and, and make things happen. If he doesn't have two people on him by the end of next year, people are doing something wrong. Even <laughs> if he's not a starter, because sure. e even if he's only coming in to affect games by the end of next year, could be very he, useful impacts up. He is going to terrify a single defender. He's going to win a one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. And that creates things, right? So sure. uh, I'm going to keep going down the list here. Cisniega on the way out. There's a little guy named Chichuro Adunze, and I can almost promise you I'm not pronouncing that one correctly as well. This guy was a big signing. Came in from overseas. A lot of people have uh, expectations for what he can be. And this one's a little bit of a toss-up because he's not actually getting playing time at the Legacy, despite the fact that everyone kind of thought he was coming in to be the guy and then potentially move up to the uh, Charlotte FC. This is a big signing. There was a lot of money behind it. Josh, what's your read on this situation other than we need a goalkeeper? And there was a, an expensively acquired one brought into a lower league team not that long ago. I I think you have to look at it as he's a long-term, the long-term goal must be for him to, to eventually take over that. The hope is probably for him to take over that, that shirt, that number one shirt. Um, I, I will say, and I will caution, he is a just turned 21 year old goalkeeper. There are two positions in my opinion that youth can be a detriment at 
One is center back, one is goalkeeper. Um, I also want to give credit to Isaac Walker, who was the starter for most of the year um, at Crown Legacy for a team that was one of the best in the league, had a great defensive record. I think that there's something to be said about, yeah, you bring in a guy like um, Odunze and you think that he's going to, you know, take that leap. But hey, maybe Isaac Walker is the one who who instead is the one who takes the leap. Um, I think regardless, we're looking at these guys as third choice, at, at least at the beginning of the year. Maybe they have some opportunity to push George Marks for that second goalkeeping position, but I, I, I just wouldn't put a lot of money on seeing Odunze in a lot of MLS games this year. I can accept everything you've just said logically, and I want to <laughs> see it. He's like, yeah, just... Listen... <laughs> I am I am a I am a height snob as is well known when it comes to goalkeepers. Mm-hmm. He is six foot seven. I listen. I would love to see it too. I just my natural caution is coming out. But Adilson Milan to prove me wrong as a young center back who could who could play somewhat consistently. Maybe Odunze does the same thing. Yeah, the the whole of Charlotte FC's defense needs work. Whether that that needs work is new players coming up from below or people coming in or Mm -hmm. talents that are already here developing and getting a little bit older. Like we said, Andrew Perfit's 23 and Adilson Wand is 21. For center backs, they are literal babies. Yes. Those players are uh, not the only ones. Uh, We have Nikola Petkovic, who has been playing very successfully as a defensive midfielder. If we're letting Derek Jones go... It's kind of hard to not see the path by which Nikola Petkovic could potentially move up to the MLS. And he was the most expensively brought in player. He was three million, correct? He was. I think yeah. that and I think that fee is only behind Enzo and Swiderski. Um, and even then I'm not super positive on Enzo. If it's behind Enzo, it's not a lot. This was a this was a big outlay and and I actually like what they did. This is a real again, a really young guy coming to a new country. So having him play at the MLS next pro level, I think makes a lot of sense for him to get acclimatized to the U S to perhaps speaking English. I don't know what his proficiency was. I think it makes a lot of sense. And then you, again, as you said, you look at this team and we don't really have a six in my opinion. I know Westwood played there in my opinion, he's not a six. And so if you're Nikola Pekovic, I think you kind of look at this and you say, there's real opportunity here. There's, it's still to be seen what we do as far as incomings, you know, at, at a senior level. But I have to imagine that he's going to get some chances this year to, to make his mark. So I've got one more to throw out at you. Mm-hmm. And that is, there has been talk online about the fact that Carol Schroederski could potentially have seen his last game in Charlotte FC Blue. There has been talk about his interviews in Poland, Mm -hmm. uh, about the fact that, you know, sure, he would he would fancy some of these other (laughs) clubs who shall not be named here. And generally, when there's this much noise about a player uh, seeking other opportunities, it's usually because the player is seeking other opportunities. This feels like one of the times where if there's smoke, there's probably fire now. Not to say that there's anything ill about that for Carol Schroederski. If he feels mm-hmm. like he he is best suited elsewhere in the world, he has to go for he has to go chase the the path that's best for him. Probably right? his last big move too at his age. Yeah, probably his last big move. 
So he has to go chase his, his futures. But if Carol Swiderski or someone else, you know, mm-hmm. there's really only two options for this, were to leave Charlotte FC, it would make a big gap in the striker position. There are a couple of people mm-hmm. that are, are sitting there potentially ready to take on this gap. The first one is Patrick Aguimong. Yep. A lot of people already making a lot of noise about this man, partially because you can't miss him. He's so big, he stands out. But another one who is slightly less well-known, but also quite large, is Yuri Tavares mm-hmm. down at the, at the Legacy. What is your opinion on this position? If we just assume that someone is magically going to vanish from Charlotte FC, sure. these two guys, do you feel like they have what it takes to come in and surprise us? Do you feel like they have what it takes to come in and be the number two? What are you thinking? I, I think that they, they have it. I, you know, I, Yuri Tavares, I think he had 12 goals at, in, for um, the legacy this year, which is a, a great return. We've seen the kind of impact Ajiman can make coming off the bench. I will be completely honest, and this is especially with Ajiman because I've seen him more than I've seen Tavares. I would be a little worried if he was our primary backup to Enzo Capetti. I know there are many people out there who think he should be the starter over Enzo Capetti. What I will say is I think Ajiman is very effective in the role that he's played this year, which is difference maker off the bench. I think that there are still a number of things that he needs to improve upon, and it's not surprising. He's a big guy, I think, who's still learning his body. He's learning a a jump in in competition. And if something were to happen to Enzo and you had to then have him start a lot of games, I would be a little worried. With that said, he could come in and just score goals and never give up that that starting position again, right? Like he does, he, he has talent. What I will say is I'm a fan of of Enzo Capetti. I I definitely want to see Enzo back next year. I would very much, though, also like us to explore some MLS veteran strikers who you won't feel bad when and if Ajiman or Tavares takes over their position. But at least at the beginning of the year, you know, you have some experience who should something crazy happen. You can rely on while those guys continue to develop. Yeah, and there's a couple strikers in the league that... Kai Kamara, uh, Burks comes to mind. Um, Yeah, there's, 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 those are guys you can find. And they may not be prolific, they may not be exciting guys, but I Mm -hmm. do think that those are the guys who would just make you feel a little bit better in case Tavares and Ajiman were to struggle with increased time at the MLS level. Yeah, and, you know, who knows? Maybe we go get Hani Mukhtar or something. Um, you yeah, heard it yeah. here first. Just Charlotte <laughs> FC gets Hani, Hani Mukhtar. Uh, Acosta and Cucho all coming to Charlotte this this season. This upcoming <laughs> <Sure. Hunting> season. <laughs> I mean, we, we'd, we'd get a lot better. I don't think anyone would deny that. <laughs> I see a lot of, we, we speculated early on mm-hmm. that I see how this club is setting up in a way that they took out some of the pieces that were loud and we're upsetting the balance. And mm-hmm. they brought in a bunch of experienced players who Christian Latanzio could lean on to build a culture, who he could lean on to make sure that the way we, we trained was right. The way that we held ourselves when we went to other stadiums was right. We weren't out doing stupid stuff. We were representing Charlotte well. 
And then we said, in order for that to work, we're probably going to have another year of those older players making sure that the younger guys get that experience. They get that culture into them. They become a part of the club and not bigger than the club. Mm -hmm. If that outlook is correct, I see a lot of ways with what has already been announced by the club that, that it, it mm -hmm. flows into this system. Yeah. So I, I have to look at it with a semi-positive outlook, mm -hmm. even though if it is correct, I'm not super excited for next year because we're probably going to need another year at least of building from below. Would you call that a fair thought? I, w the way I would phrase it is I think you're going to need another year for guys like Ajiman, Scardina, um, Tavares, maybe uh, even a guy like, um, sorry, I'm forgetting Cambridge, but even a guy like Privet, Bender, for, for us to know what exactly we have. This feels like the year for them to come in and push for that place, but it feels like they're going to need this year to do that. And then it's that following year where they're hitting the ground and they're running with it. Where we um, win the league. Oh, right? yeah. 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 Okay. That, that, you've heard it here first. Prediction, uh, Charlotte FC are winning the, what would that be? The 2025, 2025 yeah. MLS Cup and the Supporters Shield. We're, we're doing them both, so. Yeah, the double. We love it. <laughs> uh, I think I think for time's sake, we are going to go ahead and start to wrap up there. We've done a pretty comprehensive end of the season in this one. Yes. Uh, Josh, any final thoughts from you today? Um, I just want to say thanks to everyone who listened throughout the season. I know this wasn't always a fun season. I know there was a lot of frustration, but all the interactions with the pod on the socials, um, if I have made you mad with my takes on Twitter, if I have supported you, just thank you for interacting. Um, it's been a fun season. I hope y'all stay with us through the off season and into next year. Yeah, it's it's one of the things that I'll switch up my normal sign out. And I mean, I will I will tell you, dear listeners, that I love you because I do that. We love you because we do. But uh, I'll switch up my sign out by by saying I watch a lot of uh, TED talks and I saw one that that really moved me. And it, and it was talking about how people get inspired and people get inspired not by knowing what they're doing. They get inspired by knowing who what they're doing affects. They get inspired by knowing the people. You guys have meant the world to us. Uh, when, when we're out in the stadium, when we're out in the street, when we get to talk with you guys about our takes and however hot or wrong they might be, well, it moves the needle for me. So we appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. And yeah. be on the lookout for some potentially interesting new stuff coming out because we've been, we've been working in the background. We love you. <laughs> and uh, we will talk to you again next Wednesday. Goodbye. QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com. Network.com.